They're only here for the booze. Get it? <laughs> the booze. It's the miserables. Uh, we're in Melrose Park right now. That's Joe. That's Corey. They are the miserables. We just walked through 13th Floor Haunted House in Melrose Park. I want to talk about that. I also want to talk about Big Stretch. The brand new Miserables album. I'm holding it up to the camera if you're watching on Facebook Live. If you're not, uh, go listen to the album anywhere. Uh, greatest album name to date. Whatever. This sucks. You ready to do the podcast? We are. It's Car Con Carne. Let's eat in the car. It's Car Con Carne. And now here's the star of our show. So before we talk about your band, let's talk about what we just experienced. We went through 13th Floor Haunted House. I want to thank them for setting us up and letting us jump the line, which was kind of scandalous. Joe, you have not been to a haunted house in decades? Yeah. So I haven't been one since I lived in Michigan, which is 13 years ago now. Talk on the mic. Yeah, it's been a while, to say the least. So what do you think? What did both of you think? Um, I really don't like the crooked floor. It made me dizzy. <laughs> there are a couple of disorienting aspects to this haunted house. Yeah, and I don't like the strobe lights. Those are really disorienting. Yeah. And then the part where you had to walk through the thing that you talked about. Oh, with the pillows. With the pillows. We have that, to kind of like, that it's was, like suffocation. It's just uncomfortable. Uh-huh. I don't know. I felt pretty good in that tunnel. Uh, I mean, you know, for you, I can understand. You need a lot of, you need all the, you need all the, to the touch you can get. Yeah. Now, all that said, <laughs> it was raised. fun, yes? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was great. Good. It was great. But yeah, there, there are those disorienting moments. There, the haunted house here at 13th floor is divided into two parts. You get through the first half, then you kind of catch your breath, and they usher you into the next one. And that second one begins with this, as Joe said, completely disorienting strobe light thing where you cannot see an inch in front of your face. You don't know what direction you should go in. And somehow, I don't know how this works, but shapes of or walls, edges kind of came into view. Yeah. And I kind of figured out how to move. But Yeah, it definitely takes a minute though, right? And plus it switched from like really dark and then that room was all lit up uh-huh. bright white with yep. white walls and so like you, and, your eyes just were not ready for that. Trent Reznor DJing was kind of a lot. <laughs> They had loud pulsating techno on the uh, second half of the of the haunt. I think uh, I think you're just using Trent Reznor because that's the only person. That's the only who, reference I have. <laughs> that's right? the only one you have. They're a pop punk band. <laughs> they can be forgiven. Uh, but yeah, there are those disorienting moments. There's that one. I, I can't even just. I don't. I'm walking through this room. I couldn't even understand how it was working. But it feels like you're walking almost against gravity. Yeah. Like it feels like you're not walking on a I flat surface. I did not surface. like that room at all. Do you guys understand what what happened? I don't know, I don't know how they did that. I think it's a, it's part of it's the light, right? Cuz even in there like the lighting was really weird and you just feel like you're falling forward constantly. You have to hold on. They have, they have a hand have railing there for on. a purpose. And you, you can't really get your bearings because of the light situation. So, yeah, I, I got dizzy in that. That was like really that uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I, like uneven surfaces at all. Like I don't like them. I don't know if that was the room or if it, it was another one where you, Joe, right after we exited the room, you said, yeah, I didn't like that at all. Yeah, that was yeah. that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that at all. Now, there's one effect I think we all loved, which is, it's a haunted house favorite, really. It's that walking through swamp water, where you're walking through a room, and it's just 
smoke. It's fog, and they have a green laser light, which resembles the surface of water. Yeah. And it feels like you're wading chest deep through water. That That's pretty... It's disorienting, but super cool. Yeah, I love that. I was just worried, like... I mean, I don't think they can actually touch you at these things anymore right. or anything like that. Anymore. But back in the day... Yeah, sure. Shit, when I was a kid... Sorry, I don't know if I can it's a swear podcast. on this, yeah. but... Uh, you know, they used to be a little bit more physical back in the day, as I recall. And that's the kind of moment where it's like you're going to expect, like, to feel something on your legs or uh-huh. something like that. Like, <coughs> yeah, yeah the, the actors can't do that. If anyone were doing that, it would be Corey, and that would be weird. Although you're a band. <laughs> I considered it. Yeah. And you do gigs together. It's perfectly normal. So 13th Floor Haunted House, super fun. And all in, it was, what, 30 minutes walking through it? Yeah. Yeah. It felt like we were there for a while. Well, one thing I told both of you, because I've done this before, um, I'm always impressed by the level of craftsmanship and thought that goes behind each room. Like, there are all these different, almost like movie sets you walk yeah. through. Like, a study, a library, uh, a horrible medical situation. Yeah, that was weird, too. I was thinking the same one. Yeah. <laughs> that was really unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there was, like, this viral apocalyptic thing going on in one one section. But the level of commitment... To just building this stuff out, and there was like a like a Vegas casino that had been overrun by some horrible Vampires apocalyptic, or something, yes, yeah. and that, like there were slot machines yeah. and a, a hollowed out car. Like it's really it, it's like walking through a bunch of mini horror movie sets. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I invited you, I didn't realize you hadn't been to a haunted house forever, but I got a sense, Joe, that there's a nerdy aspect to you, and I say that <laughs> uh, be only because I, I ran into you at a comic book convention a couple years ago. There you go. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah. 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 We can talk about that all you want. Yeah. Nerd culture. Yes. yes. So, do you collect comics? I have Star Trek tattoos. Wait, hold it up to the, the camera. Yeah, that's my Klingon, and that's the Federation, or I should say Starfleet. And then, yeah, I have all kinds of nerdy. Was stuff. it? Was that a heavy sigh, or was that an eye roll? <laughs> I heard from Becky. Corey sighing. No, I'm a huge nerd too. I Are you? Yeah. Yeah. So, total Star Trek nerd. Yes. How, how are you feeling about the Picard show? I'm really looking forward to that one. It looks awesome. It looks awesome. I, I, I mean, anything Patrick Stewart does, I'm going to watch. Agreed. So. It, although, it's so hard for me to even consider pulling the trigger on the CBS All Access. So, monthly. I just pay for it while the show's on, and then I cancel it. Oh, that's so my I've DC Universe for, strategy. Yeah, so I've done it for Discovery the last two seasons. I just Was that any good? It's okay. It's not my favorite Star Trek show. And that would be not next, my least favorite. Next generation. Um, oh man, that's tough. Uh, whole series, next generation, close second being DS Nine, which started weak and ended strong. Yeah, after the first season of DS Nine, it's hands down one of the the best of all of them. It, Absolutely, it's consistently good episodes. Whereas like Star Trek: The Next Generation still suffered a lot of very bad episodes in every season. For There's sure, some classic ones, of course. Well, Angel I think we One can agree. All that kind of stuff. I, th- I think we can agree, Joe. Maybe, maybe. Um, Star Trek: The Next Generation really fell off the second Worf's kid jumped on the ship. <laughs> Once Alexander a lot of joined, kids the kids showed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Once you get the kid Klingon, it, it's you know yeah. all over. They basically replaced Wesley with other kids. Mm-hmm. So. It's right. a TV show. So The Miserables, this brand new, this handsomely crafted album. I'm going to take the vinyl out because it's just so awesome. Uh, whatever, this sucks. And Can we appreciate the cover art? This is a bold and courageous band <laughs> that would dress in sweater vests and nothing else, nothing underneath. And this is a woman's sweater, isn't it? I, I don't yeah, probably. know. <laughs> 
Uh, it, it looks Dave, Dave showed up to that when he, he just had a bag from the secondhand store. So he did real good. Look at this. That just says play me. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah, I love that color. Uh -huh. Really good. Uh, so before we talk about the album, weren't you at one point considering changing the name of the band? Oh, God. Yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah. I mean, in between this album and the last album, you were thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you didn't like having the, the Mizzy on there? It wasn't just that. It was also like, I think anybody that listens to this record is going to potentially hear something a little different than the last two. Mm -hmm. And we're a three-piece now. And so we don't have a, a fourth member. And at that time, I was just... I was going through some personal shit too, so it was just like a weird time, and I thought maybe I wanted to scrap it. Um, but then everybody told me I was really stupid, and uh, I listened to because <laughs> you were building a brand. You built a brand here. Yeah, the Miserables is your band. It is. Yeah. So, how long in the making was this album? It seems like forever. Like you've been sitting on these songs for a while, haven't you? Um, so the album itself came together very quickly. Um, we wrote all these songs in a very short period of time. Um, I tend to write in like really fast spurts. I don't like write all the time, but I'll like sit down for a month or two and mm -hmm. then just write a whole bunch of stuff. That's kind of what happened here. Then we went and recorded with Dan shortly after that. Dan, after, how do you say Dan's last name? Uh, I don't even want to try that. See, that's just <laughs> okay. Because I'm so gonna get it wrong, <laughs> and then I'm gonna hear about it. <laughs> And I don't need those messages from those guys. See, okay, here's the thing. I've never said his last name. Uh, Dan is in 88 Fingers Louie. Uh, he was a recent guest on Caracun Carne. He produced the Miserables album. He's also known as Mr. Precision, which is what I refer to him as because it's just easier than trying to pronounce his surname. I heard Dennis Buckley of 88 Fingers Louie refer to him by his last name at one point. I'm like, who's that? It's Dan <laughs> from the band. Oh. So, Dan produced yes. the album. Um... Um, so after the album was done, um, we had originally intended to work with a record label. Um, that whole thing just kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back to the point where we finally bailed. Um, we decided to do it on our own. So, At the end of the day, are you happy doing that, being completely indie? Yeah. I mean, besides the financial again, outputs. Like, we don't have any hard feelings about the situation, but our kind of assessment was like we'd seem to care more than they did. Sure. So at that point, you know. I mean, how many times have we heard that story? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. So. So other than spending the cash yourself, it is pretty liberating just kind of. Take... Yeah, which that took a while too, right? Yeah, for sure. to have some money on hand to actually put it out, so. Uh, did you get this press locally or you... Uh... No, we did it with uh, Pirate Press, mm -hmm. so that's who the record label was going to go with. And they had all this stuff already, so I just called them. I'm like, can we just like finish it? So, yeah, that, that's how that worked out. The album ends with a couple of songs, uh, 45 and Thoughts and Prayers. It seems punk rock to me is all about giving the finger to the man. Rock and roll in general is about giving the finger to the man. It's about saying what you have to say, not giving a shit about who you know disagrees. But man, it's such a weird time now to write a song about Trump, to write a song like Thoughts and Prayers. Have you felt any pushback or reaction to being political? I mean, I think I'm political enough that it's sometimes annoying, but like those two songs are about two very specific things. I wrote 45 about the day 
that Trump got elected. And me and Dave, I don't remember if you were there or not no, that night. Working. We were at Cobra Lounge watching the election results come in. That whole night was surreal. Because, mm-hmm. like, everybody was sitting down and it felt kind of weird when everybody was sitting at the bar. And, like, a lot of people were there, you yeah. know, which is a weird thing. And then, you know, the results start coming in. And as the results start coming yeah. in, the amount of free booze that was being handed uh, out went up very quickly. The <laughs> and, in like, the room by changed. the end of the night, that was not a happy place to be. <laughs> and it was just this chaotic moment of, like, Especially, you know, as I felt like for my generation, it felt like a massive just, I don't know what to call it, like failure or what the fuck moment or whatever. But it was like, it's just not something you ever expected to happen in my mm-hmm. lifetime. And that kind of like, um, it, we, I don't even know what to call it, right? Because it's like this own, its own brand of politics that's happening right now that you just never thought would surface. Um, and like witnessing that was just chaotic and that's a pretty aggressive song lyrically mm-hmm. it is um, you know and I, I kind of talk about what I'm talking about there is how it felt like watching mm-hmm. all that happen in that very specific moment of that evening like what was going on of course I was obviously drinking so that added fuel to the fire um, the other song Thoughts and Prayers about another thing and I talked about this recently but um, you know, Anna and I got married in Vegas um, and the the day after we got married is when the Vegas shooting happened. Wow. Um, and so we were actually on a plane home when it happened. My parents were still in Vegas. My parents happened to be country music fans. Um, they were actually thinking about going to the thing that it happened at and all kinds of stuff. And me and Anna got back to Chicago. Our phones were dead by the time we got back. Sure. They were just playing on them on the plane, and there was no news on the plane of it happening. Um, and then, you know, we landed, our phones were dead. We went home. We were dead tired for obvious reasons. It was a big weekend for sure. us. Woke up in the morning when our phones were finally charged up. And at like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, Anna starts getting messages on her phone. And she's like, dude, there's a shooting in Vegas. Like what? And then, you know, there's the momentary freak out yeah. of like, I have people that are still there. Yeah. So then we got to try and get a hold of my parents. We finally get a hold of my parents. Thankfully, it was wasn't that long. It was maybe like half an hour or something. Um, they were in. They were on the strip. The strip was shut down. Basically, they were. You know, they told them basically stay in their rooms at their hotel. Um, so it was um, pretty weird to be that closely attached to that thing. Sure. Obviously, I wasn't actually there, so I'm not as close to it as obviously a, a lot it's of people that were more that affected. Something but. that horrible happened within close proximity yeah. to where you were. It's just. It's a sobering thought. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I can't explain how that felt, and that's kind of what that song was mm-hmm. about, is that, you know, I, I, you know, my political beliefs are varied on the spectrum in many different ways. You know, I don't know how to tell people that they can't have a gun, and I'm not the guy that necessarily thinks I should be telling people that they can't do things, because in other parts of my life, I'm <coughs> very anti any kind of prohibition, right? Mm-hmm. But this thing just doesn't make sense. like, And that's kind of what that song is about, just trying to make sense of, like, you know, our our, our era, I think, is becoming defined by these things in, in the states. Like, how often does this happen? Right. And mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of our my generation specifically being, you know, a Gen Xer borderline millennial is becoming defined by this. Mm-hmm. Like ever since Columbine, 
part of my life has been defined by every year, every couple of months now, there's some kind of wicked, just violent event that occurs. And as an artist, you have no choice. You've got to spill that out, those thoughts and emotions into songwriting. I kind of said how I felt about it. And I, I, you know, the song is kind of about, you know, at that moment in time. And I think I was like this a lot before that one happened was these things would happen and it would follow the news cycle. Right. Mm -hmm. So the news cycle comes out you got a couple days where everybody's losing it over it, and then the next thing you know, we're on to the next story, mm-hmm. moving on, next thing. And that's kind of what those lyrics are about, the, that it just felt forever that that's what we were constantly doing. And then you know, you have this attachment to one of, one of them, and now that never goes away. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's just like that's always there. You know, even when we were in you know Vegas for punk rock bowling and stuff like that and whatever Fat Mike said some stuff and it was like you know this whole thing happened about mm-hmm. talking about the shooting and all this and a bunch of people are yapping about it and all this I'm like it, it, that had a lot more effect on me like just discomforting effect it wasn't yeah. like I mean people can talk how they want about it but really the whole thing was just more uncomfortable than any of the other ones because I had this attachment to it that just yeah. made me feel differently about it than than anything else had before that so uh, let's jump around a little bit. Suburbia. Uh, the traditional <laughs> cradle of punk rock, uh, Suburbia. Yes. Not a fan of the suburbs? So I have... So that song... Oh, man. How do I explain it? So... That's, that's as grass <laughs> is always greener. It flips. Ed. Yeah. So, yeah, I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit. Um, I moved to Chicago because I wanted to live in a big city i liked cities at that point mm-hmm. in my life better than i liked the suburbs but you know a, a, as you live in the city longer right you can get tired of the city too because mm-hmm. it has its own politics and it has its own like stuff that you don't like about it sure. right that we you know that you just have to kind of deal with every day and so that song was a little bit tongue-in-cheek um, i did it with my buddy from detroit kevin from pt's revenge and he was in teen idols and some other stuff and you know he still lives in the suburbs uh, so it's kind of like tongue-in-cheek back and forth of like Corey said kind of grass is always greener right and then kind of playing down to like i would you know recently been married and talking about how like you know it was really important to me that i was now with someone that doesn't really matter you know where i'm living we're gonna be fine i love it that's the sentimental part of it all right so this album is streamable it's also buyable on handsome vinyl uh, through your website? Uh, yeah, so themiserables.bandcamp.com is the best place to go to buy the record. You can also go to just themiserables.com and it'll link you there. It's uh, M-I-Z-Z Errubbles. Yes. Two Z's instead of an S. Right. Yes. Right. That makes you different. Yes. It makes well. you stand out. And it's <laughs> yeah, based on your name. Yes. Um, and then as far as live music goes, when can we see you? Right now we have nothing but. So that's a crime. Nothing there but. Are, there are. How, uh, how can that be in this day and I age? I can't blow any news right now, but there are other life events occurring. Who is this um, any news guy you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, there are other life things happening. Winter's upon us, um, and we're taking a little bit of a hiatus before um, the new year. Um, which is, of course, really weird when you have a record coming out, but we have some things that are in the works for the new year, um, and then we plan on being out there quite a bit. But probably for the next two months, it'll be a little quiet, other than maybe a little local show here or there. Okay. But it'll be all over our Facebook page if we do anything or 
Instagram or whatever. Well, I think the album sounds great. I think you guys sound great. I mean, Thank you. I, this is a guitar-heavy pop-punk band. I mean, you, and these buzzsaw guitars really, I think, stand out in lyrics and everything. It's just a really strong band. I've been a fan Thanks. for a while. I was convinced you didn't want to do this podcast. <laughs> no, of course we did. <laughs> I asked you, and then you just stopped communicating with me. I'm like, oh, he's just trying to like, he wants nothing to do with this. It's no, not the radio. No, no, no. Fuck that. He's not gonna, he's Dude, not gonna cross the street am, unless it's an FM antenna. I am so bad about keeping up with messages in a calendar right now. It's driving my wife up a wall and a lot of my friends up a wall because like I can't stay on top of it. I'm working a lot right now, and like, I don't know. I'm trying to come up with excuses. I don't really have one. I'm just really bad at it. <laughs> And like I can't. Are the other two guys good at keeping organized? Because that, that's Way important. better. Okay, so they balance. <laughs> well, you out. not actually. I shouldn't you. say that. Corey yeah. usually doesn't know what day of the week it is. That's I don't usually know. a problem. I you already said it, so that's official. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> All right. Joe and Corey from the Miserables. Uh, thanks for coming out to Melrose Park. There's a Baker's Square around the corner. We should yeah, probably go there. Dude, yeah. Get a coconut, Baker's coconut Square cream. going on. Do you have a preferred pie? <laughs> it is pumpkin pie season. <laughs> that it is. I always want to think lemon meringue pie is my choice, but the meringue's always too much. See, I'm not a pie guy, except mm. for pecan pie. Pecan pie is my go-to if I have to do a pie. I'm more of a pumpkin pie, pumpkin pie guy. I do like a key lime pie. Yeah. Made with real key limes, of course. Uh, coconut, I'm not really a chocolate guy. Corey? Where, where do you stand on pies? I like pumpkin pie. I think it's good. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not huge on sweets, but I do like chocolate. I don't even know what you eat exactly. <laughs> Food. How do you survive? How do you live? All right. We wonder this regularly. <laughs> regularly. Uh, I want to thank my friend Julia for helping set this up. I, I want to thank 13th Floor Haunted House. What a great time this was what a, what a great i should start every podcast just getting the shit scared out of me it really kind of gives me like adrenaline and i'm ready to ch- ready to talk i mean it's it's a good good way to kick things off yeah uh the miserables thank you and if you're watching on facebook live or the youtube uh thank you for doing that support them thank you for uh watching oh hey one more thing <laughs> oh hey uh if you are watching and it's sunday night or if you're watching anytime before monday morning this podcast, Carcoon Carne, is up for Best Music Podcast in the Reader's Best of 2019. Uh, you have to wade through like 15 pages of things to vote on, 15 pages of categories. Carcoon Carne is there. If you find it in your heart, you've got 30 minutes to kill. Go online. Please vote for Carcoon Carne. Thank you. Definitely do that. Definitely. Thank you.